This is the Side Hustle Show with Nick Loper, episode 57, how to launch, build, and scale a speaking business. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. Hey everybody, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. This is episode 57, how to launch, build, and scale a speaking business. My guest is Grant Baldwin, professional speaker at grantbaldwin.com. We're going to talk about how he got started, how he dealt with having a side hustle that demanded attention and physical presence during the traditional 9 to 5 business hours, how he scored his first customers, how you can borrow his exact script scripts and tactics, and now how he's scaling his business to build more leverage in for his time. This is a good one. You're going to like it even if you have no interest in public speaking. Uh, I promise you that. Uh, Before we get into it, one quick five-star iTunes review. This one's coming in from Junk James. He says, thank you. Perfect help. This is a great podcast because it covers what most people are dealing with, full-time job and dreams of an entrepreneurial venture, but can't walk away from corporate. James, thank you so much for that. I think you really hit the nail on the head for Side Hustle Nation. That's what it's all about. Um, there's um, there's a huge army of individuals like yourself, um, kind of the the untapped potential, sitting in cubicles waiting um, to make something happen or or trying to make something happen, and uh, and hopefully this podcast can give you guys a voice and give you guys some some hope, inspiration, and tactics to uh, to make it happen. So. Thank you so much for that. Um, drop in your iTunes review at sidehustlenation.com slash iTunes. And with that, we'll get right into it with Mr. Baldwin. Hey, Grant, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate you letting me hang out with you. Everybody, I'm joined by Grant Baldwin from grantbaldwin.com. He's the host of the How Did You Get Into That podcast. He's a youth motivational speaker who started his speaking business as a side hustle. And that's why he's here. So, Grant, how did you, how did you get started as a speaker? Yeah, you're, you're turning the question on me now. Uh, good question, man. I, uh, I've actually, uh, growing up, I'd always enjoyed speaking. You know, and it's not like you do massive amounts of speaking or anything as a as a elementary, or middle school, or high school student. But I'd always enjoyed just the idea of communication. And had uh, in in high school, I was real involved in my local church youth group, and my youth pastor had a real big impact on my life. And uh, so I was just kind of felt like you know that was something that was intriguing to me, and something that I was wanted to do. Is like if I could if I could make an impact in the life of other of someone else that seems very, very worthwhile. And so I always kind of enjoyed working with, with teenagers. And, um, so I actually went to Bible college was a youth pastor for a little bit and, and, uh, got into, after that, I, I got into doing some speaking, was speaking at some school assemblies. Um, and then really just like any business started, uh, doing a lot of marketing and letting people know who I am and what I do and, and getting kind of the word out there to types of conferences and events and venues that book and bring speakers in that, that would do kind of what I was interested in doing and uh, kind of built it from there. So right now we do we do like uh, 50, 60 events a year, speaking all over the country at various uh, high school assemblies, speak at a lot of colleges, uh, a lot of student leadership conferences and events and uh, really, really cool gig. Wow, that's awesome. How <laughs> you feel like everybody else is like dreading, you know, their, their high school class, uh, you know, presentation where they got to go stand up in front of the room. Um, but you're the guy who's like, all right, put me down. I'll go first. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but it was it was always one of those things. Like I was always, I looked forward to that day. You know, like look forward to giving a talk. You know, and um, I it's weird because even like as a as a high school student, I don't remember a lot of 
like speakers or there's really no one that really jumped out at me um, of like, oh, I vividly remember this talk and it was this moment that really changed everything for me. It was just, I always just liked the idea of, of talking, which is kind of weird because I'm actually, um, not, not a lot of people know this, but I'm actually fairly introverted. Like I, you know, I like talking, but I also just, I'm kind of a, can be kind of a quiet, shy person. Um, but yeah, it was something about it just resonated with me. And I, the first few times I did it, I felt like I was decent at it. And I, I just started to feel like, I think I could actually do this. Like, I think I could actually make a living from this, which I think is important, you know, for, for your audience to hear is, uh, I think a lot of us, we have some type of talent or ability or gifting or whatever that is that the first few times you do it, you're like, I don't know. I think there's something there and I don't really know what it is. And maybe I just need to polish it and work on it and play with it a little more. But there's something there that, that could be that side hustle that maybe there's, this has the potential to become more than just a side hustle. So that's kind of what speaking was for me. I, I, I really like that. A friend of mine says, um, you know, sometimes I think God put me on this earth to play second base, but it's like, you know, I, I don't know if there's a, you know, there's a very limited number of major league positions available at second base. Right. So, uh, so here's an opportunity to leverage your skills maybe in a a more uh, more attainable way so i'm kind of curious so after after school you you said you're doing this part-time so you were working a real job or a regular job i should say yeah, I was working a uh, I was working at it as a youth pastor for uh, for about a year and a half and did that. And there's parts of it I really liked and parts of it that that not so much. And um, so after I left that, I kind of had that quarter life crisis where I was uh, you know 24, 25 or so. My wife was uh, I married my high school sweetheart. We'd been married for about five years when uh, she's she got pregnant with our first daughter, and uh, just kind of felt like I, you know I went to college to do this. I got into this, and it's not what I necessarily wanted to do. So what do I want to do now yeah. with the rest of my life? And I think a lot of us, I mean, that's, I think a lot of us, we, we feel that, you know, we just have that sense of like, I just, what am I, what am I put on this planet to do? Um, and so I, once I, once I, I resigned from that position, I, I worked, uh, I spent about six to nine months or so just, uh, figuring out like, what do I want to do? And it was really, it was a rough period of life. Um, but at the same time, it was a great period of life of just trying to, like really do kind of that deep soul searching and just digging around and like, what, what are my skills? What are my abilities? What do I enjoy? What do I want my life to become? And uh, so in the meantime, though, I was, uh, I worked at a couple different jobs. I worked at a, a fine dining restaurant as a server. Uh, I'd worked at a re- at an Applebee's, which was a super glamorous job in, in college. <laughs> okay. So I kind of liked, I kind of liked serving. And so that, that I was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I could, if I go to a fine dining place, I could probably make more than I made at Applebee's. So, um, Makes did that sense. for a while. Uh, yeah. And so that, that worked out and, um, I also worked for a security company doing some sales work, uh, just like residential and commercial security sales, uh, security systems. So did some sales stuff for them. And one of the things that was really, really beneficial about both of those positions is they gave me massive flexibility. Uh, cause really you could kind of in the restaurant world, you can kind of pick and choose your shifts for the most part you can trade shifts. And, uh, and then it was same with the security thing is it was straight commission. So uh, I had thankfully had done pretty well uh, for them and was selling a lot. And so they were just kind of like, Hey, as long as you sell, we don't really care when you work or where you work, as long as you're producing something. Uh, and my boss, my boss was pretty lax, like probably to a fault. And he just like, as long as you sell something, I don't really care. I'm like, okay. You know, so he knew I was doing the speaking thing and he knew I was trying to build this other thing. So okay. in that sense, it was both of these gigs were just kind of a means to an end and they were just trying to piece together some, some options to pay the bills while I was building the, the side hustle that hopefully was going to become something bigger. 
Right, right, right. Let's talk about that. I think that's a really important point to make. Like this was not a standard uh, nine to five job. And so you, it allowed you that flexibility because a lot of that's a question I get a lot of time. Like if I want to do kind of client facing work or business to business type side hustle, like if I want to be a consultant or I want to be a speaker in this case, like that, I've got to deliver that a lot of times between nine to five. And that's really difficult when I'm already I've already committed that time to to somebody else. Um, so I'm, that's an interesting point you bring up about the having the flexible work environment or a, and a boss that is, is willing to let you do these experiments on the side as long as you continue to, uh, to produce for him. So that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, even the other day I talked with someone who said, uh, they're a high school teacher, but wanted to get into speaking. And I said that the challenge dude is you want to speak at other schools when you're supposed to be teaching your own class. Right, right, right. And so just the nature of what you're doing, it's not like, you know, hey, if I want to do graphic design or web design or I want to do something else that I can do on the weekend or at home or, or in the mornings or afternoons or night or whatever, it really doesn't matter when or where. But for something like speaking, it required me to actually go somewhere. Like I typically you have to travel. Right. And typically those talks happen uh, during the nine to five type of world, you know, so you really, for me, I knew I had to find something that it wasn't like a career decision. It was just a, uh, I'm not making a, a long-term commitment to be a, a, a server at a restaurant or being a sales position, but I knew it would, it would give me the time and the opportunity to chase the other thing that I, I wanted to be doing. I really like the 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 hustle to to take a hundred percent commission job too. I, I kind of asked the question to a lot of people like, "Hey, would you work for a hundred percent commission?" And you can tell a lot about you know a lot about people's I don't know I want to say chances for success, but you a lot about their personality if they're willing to to take that risk because essentially that's what small business is. I mean, if you if you want to work oh, for yeah. yourself, you're working for hundred percent commission all the time. Like if you don't make any money, you don't make any money. That's kind of uh, you know, a, a simple way to, to frame it, even though it sounds yeah. a, a, a job that's billed as a hundred percent commission, like it throws up red flags to, to a lot of people and for good reason. Yeah. No, I mean, at the time, I mean, at the time looking back, I was probably like, eh, I don't know. Cause I'd never really done any like direct sales stuff. So, you know, when that's, when you're banking on that, my wife, you know, like I said, she was pregnant. She had our, our first daughter around that time. And so, you know, you've got a lot of different variables going on. I've got a new dependent now and I've got, I've got to put the pieces together yeah, to make this make work. So we can like, we got to eat and live indoors. Therefore this, this has to work. So I think in some ways that's, that's good to have kind of your, in some ways uh, your back against the wall of going, I, I got to make this work. And I've always been a huge, huge fan of whether my life is a success or my life is a mess. I want it to be my fault either way. And I want to be able to, to hustle and be responsible for it. And so the days that are, are good, it's really good. And then being self-employed, there's days that aren't so good. And that's part of it. And you have to be, you, you just kind of learn to like stomach that and, and ride those waves, uh, both the good and the bad along the way. Whether a success or a failure, I want it to be my fault. I really like that. Let's talk about your kind of your first uh, paid paid speaking gigs. Like, do you remember what the first uh, time you were paid to to get up on stage was? Yeah, I uh, one of the first times I went and spoke, I spoke at a. Um, I started. I created my website. I remember the timeline. I, I created a website in September, and I started really kind of emailing and putting the word out there to people. And I got booked as, uh, within a month or two. I got booked to speak at this uh, Missouri 4-H conference, and uh, this would have been like the next February, so a few months later from when I had the the website up. But I, I remember I, I went and I spoke at this conference, and I want to say. 
once I spoke once and they paid me like a thousand dollars, which was just absurd. You know, you're just feeling like this is crazy. This is a, I can sell a ton of security systems and wait on a lot of tables and not make a thousand dollars in this in the same amount of time. Okay, so, this so is like I, an, a standard hour long talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yep, no travel yep. since it was relatively local. Yeah, it would have been, you know, a couple hours away or something. Okay. So it was, um, I think it was probably, you know, a thousand. They may have covered a hotel or something like that. Was this an event um, that you knew was happening and you pitched them directly or did they, how did they discover you? Yeah. Yep. I, uh, most of the, the marketing that I did then, and a lot of what I still do today is a lot of outbound marketing specific and real targeted to uh, specific events. So in my niche as a high school and college speaker, I know that there are certain types of conferences that they bring speakers in for. And I know, uh, for example, I speak at a lot of college orientations, like freshman orientations. Well, most colleges bring in a speaker each year for that. So you know that that's going to happen this year and next year and the year they're going to bring in a speaker so at that point it's a matter of figuring out who's in charge who are some of the other speakers that they bring in what's the time of year that they book and how do i get my name in front of them and 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 prove that i'm someone that could that could produce for them so that's kind of what i did with the uh this first missouri 4-h conference was doing a ridiculous amount of googling and figuring out um what are the types of conferences so i knew like 4-h is an example so you have like 4-H and student council and FBLA and FFA and all these types types of like student leadership groups that maybe uh, some of your listeners were involved in in high school. Well, a lot of them have state conferences and regional and national conferences. So I knew if I just spend a lot of time just Googling and figuring out who's in charge of Missouri 4-H and who's in charge of Texas student council and who's in charge of California FFA and just figuring out who these decision makers were, then I could start to present my info to them and uh, try to get my name in front of them. Okay. And all, all from email or cold calling or how, how did it happen? Pretty much all email, um, which is, is, you know, has its goods and bad. The, the thing that worked really, really well uh, for me was at first I would send like these ridiculously long emails and you're trying to just sell yourself and you're, you're giving all the good and the greatest thing, your greatest hits resume <laughs> about your life. But it's just a ridiculously long email knowing that if I got the exact same email, I would never read it. So I tried to try to, whenever I would reach out to someone, I try to just send like one or two sentences, like real, real, real short. So I'd say things like, um, quick question, wondering if you bring in speakers for your conference and maybe that's it. And all I'm trying to do is just get them to reply. Even if it's just a yes or no, that's all I'm looking for. Cause then we've got a conversation going. Okay. And so I would try to just get a conversation happening rather than trying to just close the deal on the first date. Uh, that, that, just didn't work. So if I could, same thing like when if I if I email a, uh, a a college, you know, college is type of place where there's a lot of decision makers for various types of events. So I may email someone and say, hey, quick question, who is in charge of, of booking speakers for your orientation? And it, I think it's them hypothetically from the website. Okay. But they may be like, yes, it is me, or it's someone different, and here's who you need to talk to. Okay. Great, that's all I needed. Thanks. So just real short, concise that that makes it very, very simple for them to respond and at least start to engage with you. Okay. Do you, do you have you put together some sort of like highlight reel, uh, you know, video thing of like, hey, this is this is how my presentations go, or, or yeah. 
Yeah, you absolutely want to have a, a demo video. Demo video is everything for a speaker. Okay. And it doesn't have to be polished. It doesn't have to be, you know, fancy. It doesn't have to be super well produced or anything. My first demo video was horrible, meaning the, the lighting was bad. The audio was bad. Uh, it just it wasn't that good of a video. It's been buried deep in the depths of, <laughs> of the Internet now. But it worked, meaning someone could watch it and tell Hey, this guy can connect with 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 the audience. So uh, if he could connect with that audience, he could probably connect with my audience. So think of a demo video like this. If you if you give like a forty five or sixty minute talk at whatever the environment is, can think of it like a movie trailer. Condense it down to the best two or three or four minutes, and keep it short, short and simple, just your best stuff. So for me, I use a lot of comedy. I use a lot of stories. I use a lot of jokes, and I use a lot of of just kind of like you know some some like one liner nuggets type stuff. So I want my two, three minute demo video to show those things and a balance of kind of those things. So they get a sense of if I watch a two or three minute demo video of you as a speaker, I want to have a pretty good idea of how you are as a communicator and what I'm going to get if I have you come speak at my event. So that's really what it is. But it would be like uh, a band trying to get you to 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 book them for some event but if you can't hear their music, they can describe it to you all day long. Right, right. Well, it's a little bit like Van Halen, and we mix in some, uh, you know, some some Kid Rock, and then we also do it. And you're like, I don't get it. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But if I can hear it, then immediately I'm like, oh, okay. I can immediately tell that fits or that doesn't. Same thing with a demo video that you're giving them people that snapshot of how you are as a speaker, and they can tell a lot from that if it's a fit based on that. I think the video thing is probably an underrated medium for not just for speaking, but for pretty much any business or any side hustle where it's like, here, here's your chance to do what do what the next guy is not doing. Like if you're trying to sell, you know, whatever, some freelance design service, or if you're trying to sell, you know, whatever, if you can put together that, you know, quick little video that says, hey, why should somebody hire me versus the next guy? Because odds are they're not doing it, and it's just one one thing you can do to make yourself stand out above and beyond. Um, I don't think it would be tremendously expensive to get that produced, and I mean you could probably do it yourself if you're technically savvy enough. But I think that might be a really really cool marketing strategy to combine with the you know with the email outreach, the hustle of you know researching these different uh, different target markets and, and making it happen that way. Yeah, I think one caveat and one thing to add to that is is you can't it's difficult to create like a a one-stop shop video for all people and meaning if i'm trying to market myself to a uh, a high school principal the video that i would send would be different than the video i'd send to uh, let's say a college orientation person looking to bring in someone to talk to their incoming freshman even though you the audience may be somewhat same a high school senior versus a college freshman you're talking a few months difference right. there in age but the setting is different um and the same video that i would send to a college would be different than the video i'd into maybe an educator conference who's wanting me to come in and speak to their teachers. So you want to really kind of tweak what it is that you're offering. Now, you don't have to have like 50 different videos or 50 different um, sales pages depending on all these, but you just kind of have a couple of big buckets that most people would fall into. Uh, most of your like kind of target audience and market, whatever. And that, that's not just specific to, to speaking. I mean, that's for anything is I really want to talk their language. So uh, whenever I speak at a, a, a school, 
they it's called a school assembly. Uh, if I speak at a conference, I might do the same talk, but they'd call it a keynote. Mm-hmm. And so even the language that I use has to be different based on the based on the the market that I'm trying to reach. Very smart, very smart. Yeah, a friend of mine, even like when he was bidding on freelance gigs, he talked about you know where everyone else is just like writing out the boring response in their cover letter. He's like, hey, I created this short video just for you, and it's you know him and his webcam and talking like directly to this person who's bidding on his job, so he can speak directly. You know, rather than just copying paste like his you know standard reply. I'm sure he has some standard things that he said, but it's like, okay, this is really, really smart. You know, an awesome way to stand out above and beyond uh, what everybody else is doing. Yeah. I've got a buddy of mine, another speaker who does the same thing. And, um, you know, when they ask, you know, what do you speak about? What are your fees? Are you available on this date? Yeah. You could just do the standard copy paste, but yeah, he just, he does a little quick little video and he talks right to them and it speaks to them. And so, yeah, it makes you stand apart from, from any other competitor that's out there that, wow, this, this person took the time and it may only take you five or 10 minutes to do it, but they took the time to make this thing like specific and custom to me. So, okay, so the first gig, 1000 bucks, the local 4-H, what happens after that? I think if anything, like it just gave me massive confidence. Like I think I can, I really think I can do this. Like I, I vividly remember finishing that event. I remember going out to my car, sitting in the car there. And I remember just kind of, I remember crying, literally. Like I remember just like, that was such a cool feeling. Like I feel like this is what I want to do. Uh, and so if anything, like that first time someone pays you something significant for what it is that you want to do, uh, it's a very validating experience. So from there, it just gave me huge confidence like I could do this. So a big thing that I did early on and still continue to do that I think helps is try to just leverage each opportunity into the next one. So for example, I spoke at Missouri 4-H and so I asked them for a good recommendation letter, which they provided for me. Okay, and then okay. I took that recommendation letter and I sent it to every other 4-H organization in the country. And I'd already, I'd already kind of created my own little email list for those people. And, and, and it, again, it's important to clarify here, like I'm not adding these people to like an ongoing email list. Like I might uh, have a, a database of all the 4-H contacts, but I may only email them once a year. Uh, they're not subscribed to anything at all. It's right, just right. kind of a, a, a cold email there. So you don't want to cross that line. But, but uh, so I would send all of the other contacts, all of the other 4-H contacts and email just saying, hey, uh, just spoke of this Missouri 4-H thing. Here's a letter. I know you have similar events. So if I can ever do anything for you, let me know. Just basically like that. And that booked a lot of things, you know. And so you you just kind of take each thing and build it to the next. And the more times you speak, the more times you do whatever your craft is, the more just validation you get, the more credibility uh, you you earn. Because today, it's a lot easier for me to book something. Because if, if anybody contacts me and says, hey, we're interested in having you come speak at this, I've got a, a massive database of recommendation letters that I can pull from based on their specific event. Say, hey, I spoke at this and this and this. And these things are pretty similar to what you're looking for. So let me send them your way. And you're looking for a talk about this. And here's a talk I do about that. Or here's a place I spoke about that same subject. So let me send that to you. So you're just, you're kind of building what, what you're able to offer to them to really customize it to, to what it is that they need. Cool, cool. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, 
I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Um, at what point, at what point were you like, I don't need to do the sales job. I don't need to wait tables anymore. It took me about a year and a half. And what I basically did was, uh, as I would be booking my own stuff, uh, and that revenue is building, then I could drop something else. So in fact, at one point, um, I was working for another organization, uh, doing like corporate seminars for them. And I was like this young 20 something kid going around to all these like public seminars. And I was typically like the youngest person in the room and speaking to like these corporate managers about time management or whatever. And it was just like, I didn't like it at all, but um, I was speaking okay. and I was able to, to do something closer aligned with what I wanted to do. So I was doing that. Uh, I was doing the security stuff a little bit. I was working at the restaurant. And so each time my own speaking stuff would kind of build up and we'd, we'd get a little spike there, then I could drop something. So I might be, uh, doing my own speaking thing. Uh, and then we've got enough coming in that I can drop doing the, the restaurant. And then maybe we have enough coming in that we can drop the security stuff. Then we can drop the corporate seminar thing. And so again, you you've got a couple revenue streams there that uh, just odds and ends. And I was just piecing together a living while I built up this thing. So for a while I was working just a stupid amount of hours, but I knew that it was, it was a means to an end. I knew where I was going and I knew that as, as we built the speaking thing, we could drop the other things. And it wasn't like I, I, had to make just some formal leap of I'm working a nine to five gig. I'm quitting my corporate gig on Friday and I'm starting this new speaking thing on Monday. It just, right. it never worked like that. It was more of kind of a slow gradual phase into the speaking full time. Baby steps. How do you, um, how do you know how much to, to charge for one of these events? Well, uh, the nice thing with like speakers is there's generally they're pretty friendly and helpful. And so whenever I got started, I did a couple things. One, I went to a, um, uh, a guy that I'd recognized and came across online who's really doing what I wanted to do. Uh, I'd emailed and reached out to him and he put on a boot camp that I went to and, uh, just connected with him and kind of learned some of the business from him. And I think, I think whatever it is that, that someone's doing their side hustle within 
that's a great, great, great way to, to get started is just there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Find someone that's doing uh, something you want to do in a way that you want to do it that really just clicks and resonates with you and just reach out to them. And, and it may not be like you're emailing them saying, hey, can we be BFFs? But over time, you're just developing this friendship, this relationship with them. Uh, and then over time, you're able to say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in doing the speaking thing. I'm interested in doing this web design thing. I'm interested in doing some some videography. What do you charge? Like, what's the going rate? Uh, and, and so when I got started, um, the going rate, what we charged, let me think here, it was like $1,500 um, plus travel per day for up to three talks. So the logic was if I went and did... Uh, let's say if I spoke in an area, I could do three assemblies and each school would get charged like 500 bucks plus travel. So is it the school, so that, the school district that's paying the, the fo- that's footing the bill? Uh, typically it was individual schools. So it's, it's rare that like the district has anything to do with it. Typically okay. it's more okay. like individual schools. So or they're able to split conferences. the, they're able to split yeah. the travel expense. Yeah. Or a lot of times with a conference, uh, and this isn't just true with, in my niche, I think this is true with any type of conference is they want the, if they're paying to bring you in, they want you to do as many talks as possible. Right. So a lot of times if I go to a conference, I'm doing a keynote and then I'm also doing one or two workshops at some point too. Okay. So anytime you can offer more value and you can just continue to add things in. And so I even tell people that whenever they book me now, it's like, Hey, listen, if I'm going to travel all the way there anyway, I'd love to speak as many times as possible, you know, within reason, as long as it makes sense. But, um, you know, you're not showing up to do 19 presentations in a day. But just being able to say, hey, let's let's make good use of our time. Let's make best use of your dollar. And let's figure out what's a win-win that makes sense, you know, financially for me and makes sense financially for you and for your budget. So that was kind of where we've started and we've kind of built from there. I like it. I never even thought about that. That's a great upsell uh, opportunity. Hey, I'm already I'm already there. Let's do this. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's one of the things that we do today is we have a fee structure with three different options. Because uh, the uh, challenge is you're going to go to some places that have a massive budget and you want to get as much of that budget as possible. <laughs> and then other places that have a very, very small budget, but it's realistic for what you do. And so how, you, you can't charge one you know, X and the other Y just because they have a bigger budget. So we have a fee structure with three different options and just different price points. And this is, you know, this is a great idea in, in any type of industry and niche and say, hey, listen, you've got the, you know, if you're just, if you're just looking for a talk, that's all you here's your option. But if you're looking for a talk and maybe a customized thing and maybe some books and some curriculum, here's the next option. And then you can kind of add on different packages there so that if someone has a big budget, you're able to take advantage and utilize that without necessarily leaving money on the table. But at the same time, they feel like, wow, we got a great deal. We got this and this and this and this and this. Uh, that's awesome because we just were looking for a speaker, but we got a ton more than just that. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I guess one one thing, the nature of this business is like, hey, it's it's viewed as a one-off thing. I'm going to come in, I'm going to do my talk for 1500 bucks, 2000 bucks, and and then I'm done. But you mentioned, hey, a lot of these um, organizations are putting on the same event year after year after year. Do you have any tactics to get those recurring contracts. So that's like, that's just one less job you have to worry about booking for next year. Yeah. If you can get a recurring deal, it's, it's gold because it makes it a lot easier than like you're saying, having to get the one-off things. Now in my world, uh, typically they, if they like you, they'll bring you back, but it may not be four or five years. Uh, okay. Meaning if I speak at a high school, they want to let the, pretty much the whole student body cycle through mm, okay. before they'd bring me back. Now, the nice thing is if I go speak at a college, let's say, let's say I speak at a college freshman orientation, they may love it, and next year's a totally different audience. Gotcha. So, uh, for example, I speak at Iowa State, and uh, I'm getting ready to speak up there in a couple months. It'll be my 
sixth year in a row, speaking up okay. there. Okay, okay. And I, uh, every year they bring me back. And so that is phenomenal. Now, thankfully, I've done it enough now where events that I booked early on in my career, I'm able to go back and they're like, yeah, our audience has cycled through and turned over. So let's bring you back. So that works really, really well. You don't want to get into a point, though, where um, the same audience sees you year after year after year and you're just kind of doing a variation of your talk and they're kind of like, ah. I've heard it. Right. I'm familiar he's, with it. I know. Yeah, he's old news. Yeah. I, I know the punchline. I know where this is going. <laughs> so you, you want to make sure that you're, you're bringing some new material, that you're updating your talk. Uh, but at the same time, you're not speaking to the same audience in the same event, doing the same talk year after year after year. Cause that just, that that's especially for you, if anything, it's no good for your business. Right. Now you got to change and adapt. And, and that's, I think, true for any business. So that, that makes sense. Um, and we, we talked a little bit about this before the call, too. But I want to touch on scale because you, you mentioned, hey, the downside of the speaking business is that it's dependent on you. It's dependent on you getting on stage. And there's a limit to how much you can travel to how many hours there are in the day. So let's talk about how this kind of business can uh, can scale up. Yeah, it's it's a big challenge with uh, as as a speaker because uh, for me, I well the nice thing is every speaker can really choose what what success looks like for them. You know, I know some guys that'll do twenty or thirty events a year. I know some guys that'll do you know one hundred and fifty to two hundred dates a year, and everybody's different. Uh, I'm married. I've got three little girls, and so I like traveling. I like speaking. It's a lot of fun. But if I'm a great speaker, but if I suck as a husband or as a father. <laughs> Like screw that! It's just not—it's just not worth it at all. No, that's just me. So I want to—I only want to do 50, 60 events a year. So at this point, um, with fairly minimal effort, I can—I can book fifty or sixty events a year. So that's great. But then as an entrepreneur, I'm also going well, what am I going to do with the rest of my time? Because I spent years and years chasing these events and now it's a lot easier to get those events, but I don't want to just sit back and wait for the phone to ring. So what else do I want to do with my time? So really you got to, you got to figure out, uh, what the business looks like for you. Meaning, um, you could do 20 events, you could do 120 events. Um, you could do, you know, a handful of events and then do a bunch of books and products and stuff. Um, you could do some consulting, you could do some coaching. Uh, there's a bunch of different angles you could go with it. But basically if you were to take a, uh, you were going to give a one hour talk on stage, what are other ways that you can package that talk? You know, maybe it is that you take that whole talk and you offer it as a, a book or as an online course, or as I'm going to help do some coaching, some like intensive one-on-one stuff with people to walk them through that material. I'm going to put on my own event just based on that material. So what are the different ways that you can package that talk or your information beyond just getting on the, getting on the stage? Okay. And it's similar with the, with the podcast that's going to help you reach a bigger audience. Like we talked about, there's, there's no, there's a limit to how many kids you can pack into a, into a high school auditorium. But, um, you know, with the, with the podcast, it kind of is, uh, an opportunity to reach a much, much broader, uh, scope and scale. Yeah. So we've got this new podcast out, um, called, how did you get into that? And basically we're just interviewing people that are doing interesting and unique work just to ask them, how, how did you get into that? What's your story? And, and for someone who would want to get into that profession, that career, I mean, even kind of our conversation here of if I wanted to become a speaker, what, how would I do that? Like what steps do I need to take? And so some of it is from that standpoint, just to give some practical, tangible tips of how someone would get into a career. But then also, uh, part of the idea behind the podcast is, is just providing some of that inspiration. Because I think for for a lot of your listeners and entrepreneurs, like whenever you come across someone that's doing something interesting or inspiring, it's like, okay, listen, if they can make a living doing that, 
surely I can come up with something for myself. Surely I can keep working on my side hustle. You know, for example, uh, I just interviewed this girl uh, who uh, uh, is a cheesemonger, meaning she's like a professional cheese whiz. She's a cheese expert. Okay. And so she works at this a, is, this a, is a, a real restaurant. thing. <laughs> no, this is totally real. Yeah. She's it's like the sommelier, thing, like, sommelier for cheese. Yeah, I guess. It I, seems I don't to know. Me. Okay. Yeah, so like I, you know, you and I may have zero desire to be a cheesemonger, but for her, she is a go-to person and she makes a living as an expert on cheese. And so she is she works at the, like this fine dining cheese restaurant in DC. Huh. And she's basically the chef. And so we're talking and she's rattling off all these cheeses and these variations of cheeses from Europe and from New England and all these and I'm like that like cheese wise that does nothing for me <laughs> but that's super fascinating that you can make a career doing that yes absolutely so, so i think that's kind of the point of it is hearing some of those type of stories of going you don't you don't go to, to college and major in cheese whizzing uh, <laughs> most people they have an idea of what they want to do they bounce around they pick a bunch of different things so how do you kind of stumble into this whole cheese thing like <laughs> how does that happen you know so whether that be uh, a videographer a filmmaker a photographer a blogger a podcaster how do you get into that how do you make a living doing that so so that's uh that's kind of the the question we're trying to explore cool so grant if you have an hour a day to work on your biz whether that's speaking or otherwise how do you spend that time well i think if you want to be a speaker i think a couple things you can do is one really figure out what are the types of events that you want to speak at. What are the types of things where uh, I know what I want to talk about and I know who I want to talk to. Where do those people congregate? Where do those people meet up? And so maybe it is, you know, maybe it's some type of entrepreneurial conference. Maybe it's something, uh, some type of conference specific within your niche. Once you can kind of figure out where do those people meet, then you can start to figure out who's in charge of those events. What are they, when, who are the speakers that they bring in? Um, when do they book speakers? Because, you know, if you, if you stumble across a conference that happens next month and you're emailing them like, hey, you should have me come in. Well, there's a good chance they're already booked up. And if it's a big conference, they may be booking up like a year or two in advance. Right, so right. They, you want to just like figure out what are the types of places where they book speakers. Because I think a lot of times people may throw up a website or just throw up a little side link on their side like, hey, I'm a speaker. If you need me, let me know. And we just sit and wait for the phone to ring. And so for me, I always just try to go from the perspective of, uh, I want to find them rather than rather than waiting on them to find me. Yeah, so I want to figure out, it. yeah, what exactly do I want to be at? What do I know I would be a good fit? Like if I show up to this event, I would crush it. What are those events? And how do I how do I prove to that person that I, I would crush it, that I would do a good job? Now, most people, when they start speaking, you're probably not going to be invited like right out of the gate to come do a keynote at some major conference. Right. So, so the great way to get your foot in the door is just showing up like, hey, I'll just come do a free workshop. Because if you do a free workshop and then most conferences, they'll do, you know, reviews and assessments and handouts and that type of stuff. And if they're getting back all the reviews and your is the highest rated workshop, there's a good chance they're going to take you a little more seriously next time you're like, you should have me as a keynote. Um, so just showing up and doing a good job is, is some of the best marketing you can do. It makes sense to me. Grant, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Everybody check him out at grantbaldwin.com and we will uh, we'll wrap up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. I'll put you on the spot. Ah, oh, dude. You can do this. Like, there's nothing different than Nick or I. We're not special. We weren't given, you know, these silver spoons or anything magical. Like, I think, I think we figured out what we wanted out of life and we were willing to take that risk to make it happen. 
And so here's one of the things that I, I, I kind of kept in my mind, like when I made that leap to become a speaker and even when I, when I first started to, when I first built a website and first did the, the, got that first booking, I had in my mind, like, I think I could do this and I, I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and wonder what if I would rather be involved in a train wreck and know at least I tried than to look back and be like, crap, I should have given that a shot. Like, I think I could have made that work but I'll never know because I didn't try. And so for, if you're listening to this, whatever it is that's stirring in your mind right now that you're just like, I, I can do this. I got it. You can do it, but you just gotta, you gotta pull the trigger to make it happen. And it's a lot of work and it's a lot of hustle, but that's, that's part of what makes the journey. That's part of what makes the destination, uh, even more rewarding. No regrets. I love it. Grant, thank you so much. And we'll, uh, we'll t- talk to you soon. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Grant Baldwin from grantbaldwin.com. Everybody, I'm going to be back in your earbuds tomorrow, Friday, with an actually an extra special episode of the Side Hustle Show. It's all about the behind the scenes uh, tactics, launch strategy, and results of my 20,000 download uh, book launch on Kindle for the, the book Work Smarter. And uh, if you're interested in the book, it's at worksmarter.co, worksmarter.co. It's uh, available on Amazon. Now, the, the podcast is just a solo episode. It's just me talking through all of the prep work and all of the tactics that went into the book launch. If you're not interested, uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, back to our regularly scheduled program on Thursday. Uh, but if you're interested, definitely check that out. Uh, episode 58 will be live tomorrow. And, uh, and I think you'll have some good takeaways, good tactics from that one if you're uh, into Kindle publishing or thinking about going down that road. Thanks so much, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.